Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. This is Saul Weiner, the host for the podcast. <clears throat> and today we are studying the Prophet Jeremiah, Yermiyahu 22a. And um, because chapter 22 is very long, I'm going to split it into two halves. So today we'll do the first half. We just completed and read chapter 21, in which the king... Um, asked Yirmiyahu, asked the prophet to pray on behalf of the people because of the siege of the um, Babylonians and Chaldeans that they had laid upon the city of Jerusalem. And he begged Yirmiyahu to pray to God for some kind of a sign and wonder to bring to victory. The um, answer that Zidkiyahu said was, God doesn't want your prayer. God wants you to rule with justice, to end oppression. That's the only way you're going to change things, not by prayer. And God has already made that clear, that he wasn't open to prayer anymore. What he wanted was action. What he wanted was changing the ways of corruption. <laughs> and don't expect a sign or a miracle to save you. If anything, God will outstretch his arm to destroy you. That was how chapter 21 ended. Um, and Yermiyahu warned the people to flee to save their lives, because at least this way they would save their lives. And those that were leaders warned them to use their influence to change the ways of the people. In 22, the chapter we're about to read today, the prophet now is going to go and bring this message to the house of the king again, but this time not at the request of the king, this time, God is asking him to go to the gates of the palace and say as follows. So let's read chapter 22, verse 1. So says God um, to Jeremiah, presumably, of course. Go down to the house of the king of Yehuda. Down, meaning because the palace of the king was lower on the mountain than the temple. And since Jeremiah was a priest of the temple, presumably he received this, this message at, at the top of the hill where the temple was, go down to the house of the king. And I want you to speak there this following message. And you should say as follows. This is verse 2. Shema devar Adonai, listen to the word of God, Malachi Huda, king of Judah. David, you who sits upon the throne of David, you are the descendant of King David, and your servants, and your nation, all of those who come within these gates. I'm going to assume uh, that these gates here refers to the gates of the king's palace, of the royal palace complex. Verse 3, Ko Amar Adonai, so says God. This is the message that you need to hear. Asu Mishpat Utsidaka, you need to do what is just and what is righteous. You need to take stolen goods from those who are who have been uh, for who have been oppressing them. You need to save the one who is being uh, defrauded from the one who oppressed and defrauded him. Vigeria tom vi almana, and a the convert and the uh, tom, the orphan, 
Yamana and the widow Al Tonu Vial Tachmosu. Treat them fairly, do not um, treat them wrongly, do not uh, 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 oppress them. Vidomnaki and innocent blood Al Tishbuchuba Mokomaze, you should not pour on this place. It may literally mean do not shed the blood of the innocent, in other words, be just in how you meet out justice. It, the blood of the innocent also, we've seen many times, doesn't always necessarily refer to actual murder, but it also refers to the um, draining of the poor. The oppression of the poor is equated to killing. Um, and we've had that several times among the prophets in many places, including Isaiah and here in Jeremiah as well. Rather, what should Kiyamasotasu, if you do this thing which I am asking, if you establish justice, if you establish peace, and you treat the oppressed appropriately, in, if you do this, then then there will come through these gates many kings that are sitting upon the, the, the throne of the king of David, riding upon horses and chariots, who he the kings in the future generations, including his servants and his nation. In other words, if you if you bring about justice and righteousness in the kingdom, then I promise you this kingdom will be saved, and for many future generations there will be kings sitting upon the throne of David leading this people. However, Verse 5, If you do not listen to these words, then I swear by myself, says God, I swear by my own name. And obviously nothing can possibly be more reliable than God himself swearing on himself. That this house will become a ruin, it shall become completely destroyed. Verse 6, because this is what God says regarding the house of Yehuda. Gilad Atoli, you are like Gilad to me. Gilead or Gilad refers to the um, is understood by Rashi um, to refer to the temple itself. In other words, the house of the king, when the king is righteous and leading the people in the righteous way, is in itself like Gilad is like the temple. It is in itself a representation of spirituality of my presence on this world, is what God is saying. When a king is just, when, when the government is righteous and meets out justice and takes care of the poor and takes care of the widow, <laughs> takes care of the, <clears throat> the most vulnerable in the society, that becomes my, my, my temple. Then that house of government becomes... The, my presence upon you, God is saying, Atali, Rosh Halavanon, and you become like the head of the, the highest of the mountains in Lebanon. You become beautiful like the beauty of nature itself, the beauty of the mountains of Lebanon covered with trees. However, if not, if you are not like this, then I shall place you like a barren wilderness, Arim Lono Shavu, as um, uh, uh, like, like cities that are not settled, completely ruined. And I will designate destroyers against you, 
each each man and his tools, like compared you to the hills, the mountains of Lebanon covered with trees, those trees will be cut down, the most beautiful trees, the choicest of the trees will be cut down, and they will be fall into the fire. They won't be cut down to build beautiful buildings, but they will be cut down in flame and fury. And many nations will pass by this city. And one person will say to the other, For what reason did God do this to this great city, this once great city? And they will say to each other, The reason why He did it, Because they forsook, they abandoned the covenant of the Lord their God, they bowed to other gods and worshipped them. The equation between worshipping other gods and the lack of justice and righteousness and taking care of the poor and, and returning the, and saving the oppressed from the oppressors is, is apparent here. The, Jeremiah the prophet made it clear that what God wanted was justice, righteousness, no more spilling of innocent blood. And then he says that the reason why the people died was because they worshipped other gods. That is because worshipping of other gods is, equi- is, is, is what one does when one does not recognize that there is a moral and just God who wants us something from us. He wants us to live moral and just lives. The difference between monotheism and polytheism is not a philosophical debate. It's the issue that if we believe in a creator, then we also believe this is what the bottom line of the prophets teaching us that the basis of the Jewish religion is. The basis is, is that when we believe in a creator, we also believe that the creator creates a world in which he wants something from us. He wants us to act morally. He wants us to act justly. He wants us to act kindly. When one gives up on that belief, and thinks that what he wants from us is ritual and prayer and sacrifice. That is the same as Vayishtachavu Lelohim Acherim. That is the equivalent of bowing to other gods. When one bows to other gods, one thinks that what that what the gods, so to speak, want is sacrifices. They want rituals. They want that they want appeasement. That is the philosophy that he's being disagreed with here. That is what Yermiah is trying to teach the king. You asked me to pray to God. Prayer is not what God wants. He wants action. He wants you to be better. Let's move on to verse 10. Al Tivkulumes. Don't cry for those people that die. The Al Tanudulo. Don't don't uh, um um mourn and and cry and wail over he who dies today. Rather, I'll tell you, because they are lucky. They are, by dying now, they're avoiding the terrible catastrophe that's about to happen. That's even worse than death. You should be crying for the one who's going to have to leave, who's going to have to leave Jerusalem, who's going to be exiled. Because that person will not come back. He will no longer see the nation in which he was born. He will go into exile and he will end up dying far away in a foreign land. Verse 11, Kicho Omar Adonai el Shalom ben Yoshiahu, Because this is what God says to Shalom, the son of Josiah, Melch Yehuda, the king of Yehuda. Hamolech tachat Yoshiahu aviv, the one who is the king 
uh, in place of his Yoshio, his father, that he has gone from this place, he will not come back to this place any longer. Now, as we know, none of the descendants of Josiah, the king, were named Shalom. So it's debate, Shalom must be another name for one of his descendants. And there's, as we know, after the... Um, after uh, Josiah, the son was that took over Josiah the king, who was a righteous king, as we have discussed before many times. Uh, his son Yehoahaz, and then Yehoiakim, and then Yehoiachin, and then eventually Tzidkiyahu were the kings, and Tzidkiyahu was the final king. However, all of those other kings were um, at various times. Um, uh, besieged or exiled to to um, to uh, Babylon they were constantly uh, being uh, attacked and we're going to learn through the history as we go through this book of Jeremiah and in other places so the question of which one of those kings was named Shalom I am going to simply assume like Rashi explains that Shalom is another name of Tzidkiyahu, who was the final king of Judah, the final descendant of David, who sat as king in Jerusalem. And he was exiled, as we know, and we'll see later on in this book, was exiled to, to, um, to, uh, to Babylon. Now, of course, I, I recognize that, that some understand that Shalom is one of the other kings like Yehoahaz or Yehoiakim, but I'm going to leave that out because it's not really relevant here exactly who it is. Point being that Shalom, the descendant of, Jos of Josiah, I am talking to him and I am telling him that he is going to be exiled. This is God saying this through his prophet. He's going to be exiled to Babylon and he will never ever come back. Ki b'mekom, this is verse 12, asher higlu otosham yamos, the place to which he is going to be exiled, that is where he is going to meet his death, and he will never ever see this land again. In verse 13, Jeremiah makes it extremely clear again, why, why is this king going to be exiled? Why is this punishment going to happen? He makes it extremely clear what the problem is, which is also what he needs to do to fix it. But he began this chapter by telling him what he needed to do to fix it, but he didn't. So this is why he's going to get destroyed. Verse 13, Hoi, woe is, Bonebeto, to the one who built his house, who built his palace, below Tzedek, without righteousness, with unfairness. He built his house by off the backs of the poor, and his upper stories, his big tall house, in those days to have many stories, a house that's more than one story high, that's like something special, that's a big palace, he built those without justice, he built it by forcing people to work for him without pay, and he did not give him his wages, Haomer. This, he, that king, is the one who said, Evneli Beit Midot, build me this big, beautiful house, with upper stories that are wide and big, 
and I want you to open up nice windows, and I want you to panel the walls nicely with cedar, and I want you to paint the walls with, um, with the valuable paint and nice colors, these are things that obviously only the, the, the royalty was able to have. And he asked people to do it without pay. He enslaved them. He forced them to do it. This kind of king, Ahatim Loch, is this the kind of king, this is verse 15, that this makes you into a king? Ki atom mitachare boorez, because you are able to, to prove yourself to others. You are able to compete with others by showing off how beautiful the cedar walls are in your home. Avicha, your father, Josiah, Yoshio, who was righteous, he was able to eat and drink. He was able to be king and live nicely. But he did it, but he was doing it through justice, through righteousness. He earned it. He earned it by treating the people properly. Oztovlo, that is where he had good. Um, the Radak on this point points, some say, that it is, you think you can eat and drink and live a fancy life, and that's what makes you king. The Radak says that some say that that um, that uh, the king that he was talking to, Yehoiakim, uh, which the Radak, remember we said that the king he's referring to is Shalom, and we weren't quite sure. I would assume that it was Tzidkiyo. But it, some explain that it's Yehoiakim who is known to have fasted in order to pray to God for salvation. And, and what he's saying here is like this, is in order to, if do you think fasting is what's going to help you? Your father, your father meaning your ancestor Josiah, he was able to eat and drink, but he achieved what he achieved because of justice and righteousness. Not fasting. It's not prayer. Again, that same message being stated. If you recall, in Isaiah 58, verses 3 and 4, where Isaiah made it very clear to the people, don't think the fasting, and we read this on Yom Kippur, where we all fast, the fasting is not what I want. It's justice. It's righteousness. It's treating the oppressed properly. That's what I want. That's what I'm looking for. And then the message of this verse 15 according to this explanation of the Radak, would be the same. Hello, your forefather, Achal V'Shosah, he was able to eat and drink, he was also able to live in a nice house. But why? Because also Mishpatut because he did justice and righteousness. But you, by fasting, you're not going to get anywhere if you're going to live in a home which is built by forced labor and, and, and built on a kingdom that is based on injustice and oppression. Don din oniva evion. This is verse sixteen. I want you to judge the law for the and stand up for the rights of the poor man and the needy man. Uztov, then you will have good. Halohi hadatosi. That is how you know me. How do you know God? You know God by treating the poor properly, by treating the needy properly. No Madonai, so says God. Ki ein However, for you, your eyes and your heart are focused on nothing except on your own gain, on your own profit. That's all you're focused on. And you look out for ways to pour the blood, to spill the blood of the innocent. 
Piala Oshek, and on taking advantage of others, and on that which is easy to do, and the easy way to take advantage of others, and to take others rather than do the hard work that is required to, to do proper and appropriate justice. So this is the end of verse 17. This is where I will stop 22a. Looking, thank you for joining me for this and looking forward to studying 22b, the second half of chapter 22, together. Mm-hmm.